You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. I've got another joke for you. Is it the same one we've done twice? No, it is not. I really appreciated EJ, who um, posts the show notes and does all that stuff. I really appreciated him pointing that out to us recently. I didn't realize Didn't realize that. Yeah, me neither. Because apparently I need a joke tracker now for myself to know when I've... (laughs) We've done that a few times, though, like with the Star Wars line. Yeah, that's right. Do I talk first? You talk first? We've Mm. done that like three or four times. Yeah. Or something like that. That's a good one. It is. But here's the joke. Mm. Heard this from Mike Allen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So brace yourself. Weasel walks into a bar, like okay. an animal, yeah. the weasel, uh-huh. okay? Weasel walks into a bar, and the bartender looks at him, startled, says, Oh, never served a weasel before. Uh, golly, what, what do weasels even drink? What can, what, what, what can I get you? And pop goes the weasel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I bet he does. <laughs> oh, I'd really I'm really myself. like coming into the dad thing, you know? Yeah. I do know. I'm noticing. You know, love you anyway. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to have to start supplying I work on some, some jokes to uh, countermand my, my not, dad jokes. I'm not known for that, so I'm going to have to <laughs> brush up. <laughs> Scour the dark corners of the internet for... Give me a good joke. Funny jokes. <laughs> You know where uh, else people sometimes scour dark corners? Oh, do tell. Bookstores. Oh. The self help bookstores. True. (laughs) You make it sound like they're cobwebs. I know. (laughs) Like an inch of dust. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I am mostly joking. I bring that up to say that I do occasionally deal with questions like, as a Christian, should I be reading self-help books? Okay. That's, that's a question that, that sometimes people ask, which I actually think is a really good question for multiple reasons. For one, I'm glad that people are willing to even ask about something before they mindlessly indulge. Like, mm. that's about a lot of things, really. Like, that's, oh, I'm good. I'm glad you're, you're asking, you know? But also, it is encouraging on the level that folks are thinking in the kind of terms that make words like self-help perhaps seem suspect, as if we were able all by ourselves to solve all our own problems. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think I'd really thought of that angle. I do have some, like, relative misgivings uh, about the self-help industry. <laughs> it just it feels very predatory to me in a lot of ways, or at least like the um, almost stereotype of it feels mm-hmm. predatory. It's something that's like easy to sell with a hook by vaguely speaking to broad human lights without yes. ever actually delivering a meaningful solution. <laughs> right. You know, where it's like, oh, just become a superhuman and deal with all your problems. Like, oh, <laughs> is that the advice? Okay. Um, You're depressed? <laughs> well, just stop being depressed. <laughs> exactly. But uh, if I like recontextualize that question and if it were like, oh, should I read uh, philosophy or something? I mean, first of all, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm a little envious of that initiative. I think I'd be maybe more inclined to say yes to that question. Mm-hmm. You know, Like, oh, yeah, stretch yourself, challenge yourself, spend time in critical thought with, I'm not going to necessarily use the word time-tested, but yeah. long-lasting thinkers. Sure, yeah. Not necessarily theologians, per se. Right. That's kind of interesting. But even then, eh, it kind of depends on who's asking and maybe more importantly, what their goal is in exploring that. Right. Exactly. And I think those are all observations that touch on the point that we are going to drive at here Mm, in this episode, because there are self-help books aplenty. You know, they keep coming out because apparently... (laughs) Apparently nothing (laughs) is being solved. (laughs) Uh, Only kind of joking. So I do think this is a uh, worthwhile discussion. I do. 
I'd say personally, maybe other people are like, all right, turning this <laughs> off. Like they saw the episode. Maybe they even saw the episode title. Like, yeah, never mind, skipping that uh, one. But I think it would be helpful to try and lay out a biblical framework for answering this question. Should Christians read self-help books? Okay. I mean, you know, that's you, probably self-explanatory. We're Christians. Just stop you know. it there. Should Christians read? Yes. <laughs> and there's like a lot of hang time right there. <laughs> Should Christians read? Well, mm. you know, depends on who you ask. Um <laughs> As one does. So first off, as always, I do want to define my terms because, oh, yeah. you know, that's something that sometimes some self-help authors don't do. Oh, that seems like a big deal to me. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, particularly I want to know what we're dealing with when we say self-help books yeah, because okay. you could really, again, you talked about like, no, people speak in broad terms and it's really yeah. vague. I don't want to be vague. So um, to be fair, we could also call these, you probably call them like self-improvement books or self-development books yeah. or, you know, depending on who you're talking to, they could be called self-leadership books. Oh, I do not like you know? that. <laughs> I do not like that term at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Reach like it's got all these synonyms, uh, you know. Sure. So if you are asking me, which theoretically someone is, I don't know, I think underlying all books in these kinds of categories, okay, is a basic idea that says a self-help book is written with the goal of helping the reader, one, identify and solve personal problems, sure, whatever yeah. those happen to be, and two, cultivating a more wholesome and integrated life through the development of better processes and actions. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. That even genuinely feels a little bit philosophical. Yeah, buddy. Well, how interesting. That was... <laughs> That was unplanned, an unplanned connection. Uh, but yeah, so like even that, I know that's that sounds a little bit broad, but like you're going to generally find that those are the goals of the book. Yeah, they fit that scheme. Yeah, and however that ends up lining up. Uh -huh. And that's the problem. It's like, I mean, we could define our terms within terms there. I mean, like eventually um, you have to be able to like stop and say, we're going to agree on these shared definitions. But I think we could probably all agree on that for the most part. Sure. I think that's fair as far as it goes. And as far as it goes, you know, it's a good thing for people to solve personal problems and cultivate a more wholesome and integrated life. Like yeah. that, as far as it goes, that's good. Great. But that by itself is actually not helpful because we've not yet answered a more fundamental question, which is who is defining the problems and the vision of a more wholesome life? Like mm. who's defining that and why are they defining it that mm. way? Like we, we still haven't answered that question. Like we're just assuming, oh yeah, like doing these things is good. Like, well, we haven't asked like, <laughs> yeah. again, I who's defining even, that and why are they defining it that, that way? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like, for example, I'll be really kind of, um, ridiculous, okay? A little bit ludicrous. But if a serial killer is reading a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Frick. They in, do a lot of reading. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they're reading this in order to solve the problem of their nagging conscience. They're like, <laughs> oh man, I just feel bad about this. I feel bad about the fact I slaughter people. Just bump up um, that narcissism. Right? Like, um, yeah, well, like, oh, well, what could go wrong with reading a book about how not to, you know, give a frick, right? Killing, killing your own compassion. <laughs> three easy steps. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, the vague, agreeable initiative to solve problems in a helpful way is maybe not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, <laughs> particularly if you're, yeah, if you're not taking into account the perspective or maybe like the moral compass of the uh, author or the source. Or right. Whatever. Exactly. Exactly. So naturally, then, as Christians, we're going to say out the gate that God, through His Word, should really help us define what our personal problems are, and He should be giving us the vision for what a wholesome life looks like. Right. Like, I think that's you know, <laughs> historically, that's what. Christians do, you know what I mean? And so we're also going to answer the 
why question, you know, like, why should we care about solving problems and living a more integrated and wholesome life? And I think, you know, you could put that shortly in the words of the uh, Westminster Catechism, which so helpfully says the the chief end of man or like the purpose, like the ultimate purpose of man Mm -hmm. is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so now, like, I'm saying all that to say, like, we're getting to the crux of the issue. And we can therefore ask, do self-help books help me glorify God and enjoy him? Like in helping me solve my problems and live a more wholesome life by integrating, you know, whatever process or action steps they're recommending. Is it helping me do that? Is it helping me glorify God and enjoy him and live my life in accordance with his word? Hmm. So like we really need to ask those questions before not just picking up a self-help book, but any kind of book, doing anything really, right? First Corinthians 1031 life, right? You know what I mean? (laughs) So Let's just look at one key passage that can help us frame this discussion. Self-help books, okay? okay. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, which reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, what I'd like to draw your attention to is that little line about laying aside every weight. <laughs> okay. Okay? Because you have that bit about laying aside the sins that cling so closely, right? Yeah, and I just immediately conflated them. Right, yeah, but that's like the natural tendency. You yeah. just kind of like take that as like this conjunction that says, oh yeah, the, the weights and the sins, it's right? It's a long way to say uh, sin. Yeah, right? But apparently and, not. Yeah, well, because it makes sense to say God's going to say, lay aside sin. Like, yeah. oh yeah, duh. Like, <laughs> of course, that makes sense. But the idea of separately laying aside every weight Now, that's different because here's the thing about like a weight is not inherently good or bad or moral or immoral, right? Like a weight could be like Hmm. weights can serve purposes for you. You know, like if you're in the gym and you're lifting, you want heavier weights to like build more resistance to, you know, help you develop your muscles Hmm. or another trade example. Like if you're trying to hold down a piece of paper, you want a paper weight. You want something heavy that's going to keep that piece of paper from moving, right? Mm -hmm. There are other situations where a weight is unhelpful, such as, oh, you're trying to run a race as quick and efficiently as you can, you don't want to be weighed down by unnecessary weight, you know? Like in this context, is it every hindrance? Yes, that's another great way to put it. And I think um, actually some translations actually translate it that way. Oh, don't Um, don't mind me. I'm only on the council. translations. <laughs> that's, that's what Ethan is doing. But that's exactly it. It's like there's this idea in which, again, to reinforce the point, like weights are neutral. Like they could be good, could be bad. Yeah. It depends. In the case of running the race, though, if you're thinking of life in the terms of a race, you don't want weights. Like it's a hindrance. A weight is a hindrance. So the point is, if there is something that is keeping you, whether it's good or bad, in fact, it doesn't even have to, it could be a good thing. But if it is keeping you from running the race well, you need to get rid of it, mm. right? You need to dump it. So bearing that in mind, then, can certain self-help books aid us in laying aside such weight? I actually think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah, sure. If we're working in this framework that we've described, you know, we kind of laid this foundation here, I think depending on the book and the goal and what have you, yes. Some books can absolutely help you lay aside some weights. We'll make this a little more concrete. In my own life, and I don't want to set myself up here as a, here's what I do and you have to do it my way kind of a thing, right? You know, ooh, yuck. That's like my response, that ick. But uh, just to provide some concrete examples, I went over to the bookshelves in my own office and I pulled down just a few titles that are related to self-improvement or development, self-help, whatever you'd like to call it, okay? Self-leadership, Tristan. Yes, all right, right, right. I Um, I can't do that. (laughs) So I just pulled down a few. I pulled down a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. I put on a book called The Accidental Creative by Todd Henry, Do More Better by Tim Chalice, 
and Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Okay, it's four books mm. right there. Um, I mean, if you're like going to be really technical, some of those you could categorize under like productivity. Mm. But like, I still think that falls under the like your problem is maybe you're, you think you're not doing your work as effectively as you could. Yeah, so you're trying to There's alleviate still that problem, solving like personal um, development and improvement situations. Yes, exactly. So I think that's a species of self improvement in general. I mean, yeah. again, we could define these into oblivion, but I think you get the point. Now, some interesting things to note: none of those books were written by Christians. Mm. Okay. Oh, I take that back. I take that back. Tim Chalice. Tim Chalice is a Christian. Who wrote Not anymore. Ha ha. Okay. No. <laughs> That's it, right? I've, I've anathematized him <laughs> to hell. Um, okay, so take that. Like, three out of four of those authors are not Christians. Yeah. And, in fact, some of their conclusions and foundations, both, run contrary to Christianity. Yeah. Okay? So, that being said, though, each of those books helped me lay aside weights and run the race of my life more effectively. Oh, sure. Okay? We don't exactly have a monopoly on profitable ideas. Right. And that's theologically the category we would describe that in order. It's like common grace. That, uh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the way the world works because God created it, mm. it has order in it. I mean, God is an orderly being, if you right. can describe him that way. It's like, and because he's built the world that way, that means that if you think about it, you can still access like those like fundamental foundational realities of the world. Even if you are like, um, you know, if you're like a Plato or an Aristotle, who's a complete pagan, right? Like you can actually still say very useful and helpful things to yeah, come back to the philosophy. For thing. sure. And so... All those things can be helpful. The thing to bear in mind, again, is like if you're reading a book like that written by someone who's not a Christian, you do have to bear in mind their starting point and some of their conclusions are like, oh, that may run contrary to the Bible. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be able to filter that out. Right. And here's the other crux I'm getting at. I've gotten multiple cruxes here because why not? Don't expect self-help or improvement books to save you. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the thing is I think a lot of the problem that – um I think that this is more a non-Christian problem, but I think Christians sometimes fall into it by default. They're asking these books to bear a burden they cannot bear. So, like, um, if I just solve this seemingly large problem, the elephant in the room, my life is just fixed. Yes, and everything is going to suddenly be presto better. Well, I mean, the heart of the Christian faith is only Christ can save you, right? Only he can pull you out of the mire. Only he can do that. And once he's done that and set you on the running path, well, he's given you lots of helps to get you running at peak effectiveness. Yeah. So, and I think the idea of asking something to bear a burden that it never could is such a useful point in, in any area of life. Yeah. Like, you can't mm -hmm. ask that of, like, people or your marriage or vocation or, like, achievements or anything. Yes, exactly, exactly. None of those things are going to be able to save you. Exactly. So... If you feel like, for example, you can't control your digital habits and it's really weighing you down in your race to glorify and enjoy God, then absolutely read a book like Digital Minimalism. Like, that book is great for that purpose. It will help you be a digital minimalist, like, and, like, appropriate your tools in a way that's more conducive to a life well lived, you know? Yeah. If your job involves a lot of speaking communication, but you feel like you're constantly stumbling over your words, read a book like The Secrets of Dynamic Communication. Like, yeah, like, read that book, okay? To mix my metaphors, much like a bartender mixing cocktails. Uh, uh yes. a weasel in this one as well? Yes, yes, see? <laughs> But a carpenter has to think about his tools once in a while. Like, the tools are not synonymous with the work, but you have to think about them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a great point. That's a great way to frame how these should be positioned. Right. You know I mean? Yeah, exactly. So the point of getting better tools is to do better work. You know, the carpenter gets better tools to build better houses. And the same thing, like, you're reading these books as a Christian who's seeking to glorify God. You're equipping your soul, if we can put it that way, with better tools and better processes so that you can better glorify God. They're not ends in themselves. They're means to an exactly. end. Exactly. And you yeah. have to, you know, Christ is Lord over everything. So, you know, he's Lord of that too. But you have to put it underneath that lordship, so to speak. 
So that's my really long rambling answer to that very basic question. <laughs> so there we have it. And if you need a self-help book to understand, <laughs> you need to understand Josiah's ramblings. No. Uh, if you have any questions on this or any other topic, as always, you can feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. You can interact with us on social media. And if you found this helpful <laughs> to yourself, <laughs> see how I flipped that I did, there yeah. really obviously yep. like. I like it, though. You can leave us an honest five-star review. Yeah. And the podcast thing. That's right. It's not that. It's, it's like, I don't know. It's like the podcast app, the <laughs> Apple podcast how app. imprecise that became. Yeah, you like that? I'm like some self-help authors. You In know what I mean? Wherever you listen to it that may or may not have a rating system. <laughs> yes, you can give us. would appreciate it somehow. Anyway. We would. And to those of you who have, thanks. Thank you. A ton. You have really helped me help. Kind. It is. It is. <laughs> appreciate it. That's all. Yeah. That's it. We thank you, as always, for listening. And we will catch you next time.